Okay, welcome to Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. Boom, boom. Let's start. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, <laughs> Hi, Michael. That's Michael Swaim. I'm Abe Epperson. Mm -hmm. And you did all the. You said all the stuff. I mean, I mean, there's only really one thing to say because it's our most basic podcast. But one of the, it's the old standby. I think it's the first podcast we ever cast. Cast it a pot of. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan or some shit. You always remember your first. Yep, nailed yep. it. <laughs> nailed it. What are we here today to do, my <laughs> Abe? At a tittle hey. to two to two? So it's, uh, so let's take you back to 1971. Uh, there's this movie. I wasn't that, born, but okay. That, that was made in Australia and it's called Wake and Fright. And the reason that we watched it is because um, we have a tier. Uh, at our Patreon, you can give us some scratch, just like Theo did. Hey, Theo. Uh, Thank hey you, Theo. Theo. Uh, and he, uh, and they, they, they said, hey, watch this movie, Wake and Fright. Um, so we did. That's what this is now. And if it's the uh, Theo I'm thinking of, I think we've met at a movie theater and you had a kick-ass tie. If that is the Theo I'm thinking of, he'll probably be excited mm -hmm. that I recall that. That's yeah. all. And if so not, thank you, Theo. you know, hey, there's other Theos in the world. Guess you what? You can have a cool tie, too. You have you an know? evil doppelganger with a cooler tie than you. Yep. Yeah. Get your tie game on point, hey, Theo. Speaking of evil doppelgangers that are cooler than oh. the original versions, we oh. have one here with us today. I ate mine in the womb. Please welcome our very <laughs> special guest, Vanessa Guerrero, who I immediately talked over. Hi. Oh, it's fine. I talked over you to say I ate my doppelganger in the womb. Oh, okay. Good. I'm glad we paused to get that. That's, that's like, good to know. It's good to know that I'm talking to a winner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I don't. I don't like to talk to losers, so. Okay, I will leave the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Well, often we start this podcast by asking the guests why they picked the movie, but since this is a pick the flick episode, and by the way, if you want to pick a flick, you're hap you're welcome to really? do that. We'd be more than happy to watch whatever you want us to do. Sure, yeah. you too. You too, Ness. You could tell us what to watch, but anyone can by heading to patreon.com slash smallbeans and patronizing us at the pick the flick tier. Now that's all the business, so I'm going to kick it off by asking a question I almost certainly know the answer to, I think. Vanessa, have you seen Wake and Fright before? Uh, I actually hadn't seen Wake and Fright before this. I doubted it. So, how'd it hit you, huh? Let's just dive in. Okay, so, uh, I did not go into this thinking that it was going to be a scary movie. Mm. Uh, Despite the title, okay. Like, the title, I was just like, oh, it's maybe like it's like Cry in the Dark, where it's just like uh, some something that you say and you're in Australia. Um, and, uh, <laughs> cry in the dark, mate. <laughs> and, uh, I, I initially, I was like, okay, it, it's taking a, a minute for it to like really crystallize exactly what's happening here. And, uh, the second I realized it was just chilling in the outback with like sinister people on the worst raccoon, raccoon. No, they were not hunting raccoons, Vanessa. They were hunting kangaroos. Uh, it's much it's worse. It's much worse. worse it's much worse because somehow, they're human yeah. shaped. Uh, they're human. They're size human and size shape, and yeah. they're human shaped. <laughs> and the whole time you're just like, I shouldn't be seeing this. Um, it. Yeah, this. This is movie wrong. was wrong and terrifying, and I loved it. Great. Yeah. Okay. I would argue that it never fully crystallizes into anything, which was the most amazing aspect yes. of this movie to me. 
I'm reminded of stuff like Purple Rain or Easy Rider, where it's mm. we're just traveling You're around. You're just on a man. journey. We're we're just looking at stuff and experiencing stuff. And in this case, it's basically every negative stereotype I think is true of Australia. It's like, hey, what if it really was as horrible as we all joke that it is? And that's the horror. That's all. Australia sucks. That's the horror. <laughs> I love it. And there's it's, a guy named Chips Rafferty on the cast, you know, who can't who, beat it. Who drank so much that like production like was halted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, alcoholism and brutality and tribalism <laughs> in Australia. Starts uh, in Taboonda, which is part of the Yabba. I'm sorry. I just can't get over the name. The Yabba. Yeah. <laughs> the Yabba. Also, it all starts with a guy who's our main character is a school teacher. And it starts in a town so desolate that... I don't understand where the kids went when they leave the school. Did you notice that the bell rings and the kids step outside and then it cuts outside and they're gone? Yes. Where'd they, Where'd go? they go? There's no the homes. I they think just, they, they, pop, they pop out of a little hole in the ground. They burst into dust and just yeah. sift down to the ground. It is, yeah. It's horrifying. And it, like, it took me a while to really understand that the way it works is that there's some places so desolate and isolated that you go to a town to go to a town like you have to go to the yabba if you want to get to sydney because that's where the train is you know right. so that's kind of what sets off this movie is this school teacher is going to take a holiday and he wants to get to sydney presumably to uh you know try to reignite some something with a woman uh he it's his girlfriend you see her is, yeah. She's in a and, very unflattering one-piece bathing suit, and he rubs a beer in between her titties. That's how you know yeah. they're in love. The situation is that he's in debt because of all the... I, to become a school teacher, and he doesn't get enough money. So when he goes to the Yabba, basically he loses all of his money on a gambling game because he, he has eyes on the prize, as we all do. He's trying to pay uh, back that down debt. down on the wrong one. Yeah, he got, he got, and so he now he's got no money, he can't afford the train to Sydney, and he just lives off the, I, I want to say good graces of, that's really what I want to jump into first, maybe, like, this tribalism aspect, there's this weird expectation and routine of unspoken actions, like, you need to buy people beer, you need to stay here, you can't do something different you like the yabba as an outsider and you gotta like the yabba you can't and complain you about like, the heat you have to yeah. say it's great it's like australians have all sworn look we all know it's shitty here but don't talk about it don't mention it act like it's good we all agree to this and he sort of violates the tribalism by occasionally pointing out this sucks it sucks here <laughs> yeah it sucks here i hate this place yeah and yeah, it's, it's funny, you, you mentioned a gambling game, but we got to dig into. It's a coin flipping game that the movie spends like 25 minutes on. People flipping coins, betting whether it's heads or tails, that's it. If it's the thing you said, you win money. If not, you lose money. It's all on the honor system, which works. No one fucks with anyone. The coins never roll away. The coins always land. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me that the coins never roll away. 
Is that right. that's that was my biggest problem with the film. No, my problem was that we did the gambling, the coins thing for so long that I didn't understand. I was like, is this like um Fast and the Furious, but for coin flipping, is this the whole movie? <laughs> it's that long that oh, you're like, is yeah. this going to be what it is? And it turns out, no, he just goes through several rounds of it and then loses all his money, thereby nominally trapping him in the Yabba. But I would argue that he chooses to stay in the Yabba repeatedly. Like oh. he could get away, right? If he really wanted to. Mm. I mean, he can go back to his shitty Tabunda. yeah yeah well no i mean just that i feel like if he stopped pounding beers got his shit together for five minutes and like worked it out he could get out of the yabba but they do this thing where it's almost like a twilight zone like it is hell and you cannot escape it any way you go um the ultimate iteration being that he tells a guy he wants to go to sydney and because the australian accent's so thick that another australian can't understand him he goes, oh, you mean the city? And he drives him back to the Yabba. Uh, yeah. I laughed Loved it. so hard when he got out of the truck and found out he was back in the Yabba after all yeah, of that right. hitchhiking. And then he's like, this is not where I want to be. And of course, the guy's like, you don't like the Yabba. Everybody loves the Yabba, which I take it is just a name for this quadrant of Australia. I wasn't even fully sure. Um, so, yeah, it's quite an odyssey. Uh, and I want to talk about beer in this film because I almost got flashes of Miyazaki. The beer looked delicious. I don't drink anymore, but until there was so much beer that it started to make me queasy, this movie really makes beer look good. Am I wrong about that? No, it makes beer, especially it does such a good job of being like, it's hot. It's sweltering. It's terrible. Wouldn't a nice, crisp, cold beer sound good right now? Like, it really dangles it in your face. You're right. Yeah, I think that's 100%. Everyone's sweaty <clears throat> all the time. And, the like, the palette of the film is, like, yellow and abrasive. And um, I think that all adds to the fact where it's just like, yeah, you just want something cold right now. Just some some way in which you can get away from this horrible furnace. There's a line um, in the movie said by the doc character when he first, first meets our, uh, you know, our main guy, John Grant. <clears throat> and he says, discontent is the luxury of the well-to-do. If you live here, might as well love it. That's kind of a crazy mentality. Well, it's like, yeah. Accept what you're given and like it as much as you can, because that's all you're going to get. Right. It's uh, that kind of feels like now. <laughs> right. It's kind of this like it, it made me think about like doom scrolling and mm -hmm. like, you know, how it was, it's a very popular thing to do on social media was in like 2020 and 2021, like worst year ever, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, where it was just this kind of thing where it was like, well, we're fucked. So it's the apocalypse. Whatever, and it still I is. I mean, climate change wise, it still is. So, yeah, but it's uh, arguably, well, not even arguably, like statistically the best time to be alive in terms you know? of life expectancy, <laughs> crime rate and stuff like that. Uh, yes. But, sure, yeah. but the looming threat of inclement weather does hang over us yeah. and is already and fucking us up in that. some way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and groceries That's... are like a $300. Dude, yeah. can we talk about groceries? Can we That's talk about podcast, groceries? But it's, 
It's crushing my nuts. Yeah. I was in uh, Ralph's the other day. And I laughed out loud like a fucking weird Barter, old man. sixty dollars. <laughs> because I saw like some baby back ribs, and it was like three measly ribs, and I was like, "This is six dollars. Get the fuck yeah. out of here!" It's all fucked. Yeah. Um, it's all fucked, man. Meat may be arguably the only thing that is okay to go up in cost, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I. Uh, it's funny because I'm into mindfulness and a big part of that is, or like I just wrote a, I just dropped a book and in the book I talk a lot about how every, it's almost the same thing, but I mean it differently. Everyone gets their own life. Their own life is entirely unique to them and it's a show. And so everyone just focus on enjoying your own show. Don't compare it to other people's because theirs is a completely unique, unrelated thing that only they get, right? Everyone gets their own show. And I do mean that in a way, a freeing way where you can let go of shit and enjoy shit. But at the same time, that's not to say you shouldn't try. Like, if it sucks where you are, you should leave. You should move around or right. like if, if you're in pain, you should address that in some way. And so Donald Pleasance, who's the doc in this, who's just like uh, the guy who said the line is um, really creepy to me in the sense that he's almost a guy who's smoking two packs of cigarettes a day being like, don't do what I yeah. do. You know, I'm going to die any second. Don't be like me. And that's always very sad. That's a very sad life to lead. He also says sex is just like eating. It's a thing you do because you have to. <laughs> yeah. He, his his worldview is such that it's there's a deep loneliness that is maybe not just unique to the wilderness of Australia, but the loneliness of a town that's just men. Yeah. That's another thing. There's a few moments where there's an Aboriginal on train there's obviously the woman in the hotel who's Jeanette. doing oh the other woman who's the like other yeah i'm just trying plaintively to plaintively she's just like dipping her fingers in water and then rubbing her neck yeah and then she's Jeanette got herself acne. seems like completely stoic to everything because like almost like a, a, just trauma just trauma is their life right and so that those are the only like non-white men we get in this film mm -hmm. and to me i was like a part of the horror for me was that like the fact that it was they were those individuals are all portrayed in static like with no motion whereas white men have like literally taken over this area and are in constant motion and it's chaos yeah you know it is it's kind of uncut gemsy you feel stressed the whole time yeah. stressed and gross it makes me it reminds me of uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that it's a yeah. movie that it feels like you can smell it. <laughs> like mm -hmm, they're both yeah. very like sweaty, oppressive environments. And I like what you brought up about the men thing, because I added, I actually uh, keep a little mental list of movies that I like to call oppressively masculine. Um, mm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, that's what the tone is like dirty, Harry or the thing. Uh, Glenn and, Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. 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 Movies where masculinity almost feels like the it, it's both like the threat and the reward. Uh, mm -hmm. And this absolutely fits into that category. Yeah. Well, you also you've both now used the word horror. Do you think it I, I hesitate to call it a horror movie. Do you guys think it qualifies as a horror film? I mean, I would say if you think if any of Herzog's films are horror movies, 
then definitely. I mean, it reminds me a lot of a lot of things, mainly in its message and its attempt to be raw. I think it's not like a horror form where it's like a slasher or something like that. No. But I think you are supposed to look at these men and have a deep amount of catharsis and um, you're not supposed to feel good throughout the movie. You, no. You have this kind of urgency. It's a feel bad movie. So I would call it. I would kill. I would call it a horror movie in that regard, okay. but obviously the, there's m- films that are better suited for that name or more clear cut in that regard. That's all. Yeah, it's yeah. to me. It depends how heightened it is, and I don't know because I didn't live in Australia in 1971. So my question is like, if this is super heightened and surreal, then sure, it's a horror movie. It's like a head fuck horror movie. But maybe this is what Australia's just really like. I don't know. There aren't any poisonous scorpions in the film, so I know at least a key component is missing. But uh, back to the beer, like, I think he drinks something like 65 beers on camera in this film. And uh, if you've seen the trailer, the trailer is only the shots of him drinking beer all put together. So I know that Australia is a big beer culture, like lager or whatever, but they take it to an absurd degree. Everyone he ever meets offers him a beer immediately. And it does seem, it almost seems like they're in a cult in a threatening way. And you have to drink the beer and they stare at you while you drink it. And you have to drink the whole thing in one gulp. Like it's a fucking shot. And then they're going to grab your glass and go, how about another mate and go get you another beer. And, uh, Yet he keeps walking into these situations. That's why I have no sympathy for the dude. I do feel like he's along for the ride for the most part. He is absolutely along for the ride. The thing that I find really interesting about this movie is that he considers himself like a victim or somebody that's just been like fleeced and now he's stuck. Uh, And it feels like what the movie is trying to say is that he's the kind of person that just makes choices like this. Like he's, he's not as far off from the quote unquote barbarians as he like think likes to think that he is. Right. Yes, absolutely. I think he has more in common with them than he wants to admit. (sighs) Yeah. Any, any sets, he goes out of his way to like, he does all the stuff because he knows he'll get his ass beat, but he wants to be irreverent. He wants the city. He wants to be in Sydney is what he wants. That Mm. represents everything to him. It represents his possible life with a woman. It's the, there's just nothing out, out out here. It's, it's desolate. It's desolate. It's empty. The people are desolate. All they do is sing old gray mare and drink beer. That's it. Right. And outsiders are not welcome, even though that would like save, the towns you know so to speak like there would be right. a diversity of thought you know it's it's that impulse more capital we want to be seen in. as big men who rough it um you know like and you might as well love it even though all these unspoken actions that you do are to devastating survive. to right. each other yeah. or like the sheriff who says we do get a bunch of suicides they say it's the heat i like the heat <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's copium, right? It's so hot that people are fucking killing themselves, which our hero attempts to do by the end. Right. I love that it's like you took a trip to Vegas and the weekend went so poorly that you decide at the end, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> Fuck <Right>. it. <laughs> like I've ruined my life so thoroughly. And then he can't even fucking get that right. He wakes up in the hospital. It's like your gun was pointed directly at your head. How did you miss that? 
He's just got a bandage and then it's gone. Yeah, he's just the world's greatest doofus. No scar. Yeah. Oh, boy. It also, it kind of reminded me of training day in that regard, right? right? It's like a ride along from hell. Right. And some of the, can we talk about the, I mean, we mentioned the kangaroos. Oh, is it time uh, I, for that? Well, I mean. <laughs> Unpleasantness. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk about how unpleasant, like, the that's the big kind of set piece, I think, for multiple reasons. The climax, but I think yeah. just. I think from just a story perspective, it's obviously the time in which he is the least uh he's the least content with this situation. He doesn't want to be here. He's terrified by the uh the people he's with who have taken him on this kangaroo hunt. And he has he ha- is peer pressured into killing a kangaroo, which is something he doesn't want to do. Are you sure? Because uh, when they're all shooting at the fox or the coyote from the porch, he's super gung ho and into it. Like I, I, that's I didn't get the impression that it bothered him. I thought he wanted to kill the kangaroo. But I that's think, what I think that I think yeah, he wanted well, to consider it, himself. He wanted to consider himself someone that wouldn't shoot a kangaroo. Like okay, exactly. I have an exact parallel. Uh, which was last night, my YouTube algorithm fed me a team fighting championship, which is a, a six guys just on six guys mauling each other until eventually it's like six guys fighting one guy. And I was like, this oh, seems wow. this seems highly unethical and really fucked up. Also, uh, I'm skipping past it because I'd like to be the kind of person that skipped past it. But actually, fundamentally, right. I'm the kind of person that clicks on it. I and see. the algorithm gave it to you for some reason. It gave it to yeah. me for a reason. It's because I'm a shithead and it knows. Yeah, that's the real fucking, that's the shit right there. Because I, I think that you're absolutely right. He is, it's it's that thing where he's like, I'm. this is my last bastion of humanity to not kill this kangaroo. I don't want to be this person, but here I am being this person because of peer pressure, because of, the fact that I am my own worst enemy uh, and I'm an alcoholic and I am brutal. Like he several times he just has fights with people yeah. uh, and a rough house and such. He's a part of the tribalism that is kind of the way in which I think everyone else copes like that. Tribalism is deep. I think deeply disturbing. I want to hear from all some Australians us. on this. If it, if it at all rang true. <clears throat> Right. I you don't know, think it, I mean it's I it's important but I think that this is not I mean I don't think that the filmmakers really were like trying to be I'm like oh joking. this is yeah no this is Australia. No that's it's just tickles it's me. Humanity. If this was Australia, if this was it what it was really like, I would just be like Jesus Christ I you mean, guys. Yeah. Get out of there. I'm so sorry you live like this. When I'm I sure read there's perfectly pleasant parts of Australia. I think there's pleasant parts of Australia, but when I read the Wikipedia, uh, there was somebody during a screening that had an outburst and they started yelling, this isn't us, this isn't us at the screen. And one Ah. of the actors from the movie said, sit down, this is us. See, that's fascinating. That's that's right there. There it is, man. Uh, That's what I think the why the movie is so captivating is I think we all kind of can see ourselves in that hypocrisy and at the sure. same time be like, I'm not that I'm, I'm never that. Yeah. Who I, among I us 
hasn't tried to have sex with a stranger and the second we get the right. tip in we start puking everywhere <laughs> right <laughs> only the one time yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, I mean, but it's a lot of puke i mean we actually don't see the puke but i mean he pukes for a long long time, for a long time. and i love that you said the right word is stoic Jeanette's just like yeah guys fuck me they puke okay. they sleep in shit that's what it is. That's what it is to um, live. Here's another day of not being happy. It's right. tragic. That's I think of it as a tragedy more than a horror, but I will say the That's kangaroo part right. is thoroughly horrifying. And it's horrifying for a particular reason that I think we got to mention, which yeah. the film even says explicitly at the end. Yes, this is real footage of people shooting kangaroos to death. Oh, okay. Because like the effects, at first you're thinking, these are really good effects for 1971. And then there's a point where you go, this has to be real footage. How the fuck did they get this? Right. And you run to Wikipedia and you find out, yes, indeed, that um, kangaroos are like deer in Australia. They're considered like a pest, right? They're lousy with kangaroos. So in the 70s, I don't know if it's true anymore, they'd send government hunters out to kill and destroy X amount of kangaroos. And so the filmmaker just said, can we tag along with one of those things? And what's amazing to me is it became a microcosm of what the film is because according to their own reports, as they went through the night hunting, the hunters got drunk and rowdy and started missing and making it so instead of a clean shot, the kangaroos would like bleed out with their guts everywhere and stuff. And they got to a point where they couldn't film anymore and they all felt sick and humiliated and they faked a technical they faked a power issue. So that That's, they could go yeah. home because they were so grossed out by what was going on. Then they thought it was a good idea to show us that. <laughs> Which I just find amazing and ballsy. And it is. That's that's that um, Chainsaw Massacre factor right there. It feels gross as hell. <clears throat> I was actually reading a, a little bit more about this. And it seems that there was... It wasn't like that the government was sending people out to kill kangaroos because they're a pest. It was more that it became so in vogue to m just murder kangaroos that they were getting like close to endangered. Um, so the reason that the animal welfare organizations in Australia and the United Kingdom, because it is a UK crew, um, they're arguing that the reason that they were like, no, 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 show it. We want you to show it. Like, this is the equivalent of American humane being like, yeah, no, no, no. This is going to be a public service announcement. Oh, it's almost like PETA going, look at you, you sickos. Right, yeah. Right. I, at least that's the apologists. I mean, there's definitely, you know, people have valid uh, opinions where it's like it's never it's never worth showing that kind of brutality. Right. Uh, but I think that they had they they argued that they had a purpose for it and it and they did it in a way that it wasn't like it died. Those things died for film. But that once again, uh, when you're trying to show something so raw, we talk about like Fitzgeraldo and Herzog. It's the kind of yeah, the same where thing. He's killing humans left and right to make. Yeah, them I mean, yeah. he's at least fostering a situation where uh, he is. People are getting hurt, and he is. If he didn't make the film, they would. They have been wouldn't hurt. have, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that it's it's tough to argue. Nothing dies for film if you're trying to, you know, get so close to that. Uh, 
where you and if you're show that brutality. kind of a madman like Herzog is, that, that, I think everyone here is kind of a madman. Yeah, there's <laughs> these, yeah. he's trying to make a movie about a crazy dude who made natives carry an entire boat over a mountain. So what does he do? He makes natives carry an entire boat over a mountain. He just films right. it. Yeah, just let's just do the horrible thing. Yeah, unhinged, honestly. Um, and speaking of unhinged, go. the la- the well, not last, but the, another thing about the kangaroo section I really want to point out is this particular technique that I have to hope is made up, but I bet it's not, which is you get behind the kangaroo and you grab its tail. Cute, right? Okay. This makes it so that you can reach out in front and slit its throat. No! <laughs> there is a dude who wrestles a kangaroo and then slits its throat, and that's what they make him do. That's what, but he can't slit its throat, so he just stabs it forty times, and then he smiles, happy to be accepted by the group. And that's really what's chilling about it to me right. is truly that when he gets drunk enough, he is like, "This is kind of fun, killing all these kangaroos." Right? Yeah. Exactly. It reminds me of um, you guys ever see the King of the Hill where Khan and Min become rednecks? Yes. Yeah, it was, it was like that. Or it's like Man Bites Dog if no humans died in it. It's like, let's just get filthy. In fact, I think an impressive thing about this movie is that there's no human casualties. Because by the end, right. I sure felt like I saw people die. But if you think back, nobody dies. No, they're just nobody all dead dies. inside. That's right. Their souls die, but they don't. They fart and shit and sleep in sweat and piss. Donald Pleasant's gets um waterboarded by a beer while standing on his head in this film he does yeah he's insane the doc character uh you expect he's gonna die yeah and he's i mean he's going there he's he prescribes uh, beer and pills to the guy right like what what's the what, what was the line that some an older actor uh, once said, I got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like he's living hard. You know, he wakes up, he drinks beer and then goes to sleep, you know, after have having fought his friends and played with guns. It's just what is this life? He trades a rifle for a ride to town. He walks yep. through town shirtless rifle dangling from his arm just drunk <laughs> it's a great shot i actually like that shot with the flat perspective montage. Yeah. yeah no it's a beautifully reminded shot me of strochek speaking of herzog there's some amazing like in uh, you know me i love geography of films and just like considering how you frame your spaces the expansiveness is lonely in this movie and it's kind of awesome and then also insides are claustrophobic and uh so it's like got best of both worlds i don't know why but this movie really chooses its lens as well because it compresses compresses space in such a way where you're like wow this is too close or it's too far away um i don't know exactly how to connect with you know this character in this moment or and then also the editing itself is spastic and um kind of abrasive in its own way so it just gives you this visceral feeling where you're just like i don't want it (laughs) turn it off right it definitely took skill so like i'm talking mostly about how batshit it is but 
it must be mentioned that it's shot beautifully, especially compared to other 70s movies. It's got quite a modern sensibility. It's shot and edited very well. I did notice that while I was puking. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this director went on. Uh, did you guys see what else he's directed? Mm-mm. Uh, Ted Kotcheff. Uh, he is the director. Uh, probably a decade after this, he made First Blood. Oh Rainbow, shit! Oh, okay. Which makes total sense when you're talking about. Yeah, it about, does. Like, uh, Sweaty, oppressive, and, raw. And is then, that the first one, Rambo First Blood? First Blood, yeah. I ain't seen it. And then It's really good. The other one, it's really I've heard. Good. I've heard it's great. I mean, it won the Oscar, right? The other one that made me laugh is then six years after First Blood, yeah, Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've seen. The, that's, yeah. Now, so he's the, here's a the weird place. thought. More people die in Weekend at Bernie's than in Wake and Fright. <laughs> that's this crazy. Yeah. Weekend at Bernie's. I also think this movie could have been called Falling Down and it would have been a better title than Wake and Fright. And I think I like it better than Falling Down. Yeah, Falling Down is kind of a similar kind of madness, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's, like your day gets worse and worse and worse and you see where's the bottom? What is the bottom of this? And it turns yeah. out it's dancing naked with Donald Pleasance pouring beer down your throat. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're both like Inferno films. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's an interesting point. Meaning like Dante's Inferno? Kind of. As yeah. a base allegory. That's interesting. I don't, yeah. I don't think they're actually going out and trying to do that. It's no, not like no. a brother with the Odyssey or anything like that. Right. But yeah, it's, it's just, just like, like soft purgatory. Yeah. I I think the ambitions of no all exit. those all these works are kind of in the same thing. It's just like how dark can we get? Yeah. Ultimately, it breaks down into nonsensicalness. Like, he's so drunk or delirious that we just start getting vignettes. He has this crazy vision of the doc having sex with Jeanette in front of the coin people. So it's like his brain is just mashing up all the horrible things that have happened to him. And then he collapses in a random corner with his gun pointing out. Like, I think any of us would at some point in this sequence of events. You'd just be like, I need my back to a corner and a gun. That's what I need right now. Yeah, just like a prey animal, mm-hmm. you know, just scared forever. Yeah. Wake and fright. That's there. there That's it is true. right there. I was wondering about the title because it is based on a book. And I imagine it's always easy in a book to understand where the title came from. Right. Because it maybe it's that phrase is in the book. Um, but he doesn't really wake and fright, does he? No, um, I think he's just alive in it. Yeah, he wakes with hangover. He lives yeah. in fright. He lives in fright. But I don't know. That's it's a minor complaint, but I did think it was an odd title. Or as Vanessa said at the beginning, it set me up for different expectations than what it was. And maybe that's what they want. Maybe they want me to be blindsided, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. The fact that he commits suicide just because a guy said city instead of Sydney is so good. And like, there's other parts in the movie where they subtitle the film just because the Australian accents are so thick, they assume that the audience will not be able to understand it. Yeah, that that when that showed up, that was like, that's wild. Uh, But I needed it because I did need it. Yeah, it was so thick that I was. It took me a while. It's completely different language. It feels. Yeah. Plus, there's you know vocabulary that I'm just like I'm not exactly sure what a schooner is. Yeah. You know. 
It's a balmy uh, jib jab, mate. And you're like, yeah, I don't exactly. know, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, did you notice think- on the bus. Oh, go ahead, no. Vanessa. I was just going to ask, what do you think the, especially within the last three years of fascination is that Americans have with the Australian accent? I'm not necessarily picking up on what you're laying down. Can you give me an example? It feels like every person uh, has their own impression of like, they're like, oh no, like saying, <laughs> saying no, nar. Because that's nar, what nar. it sounds like when Australians do it. Like I oh, see, see it on Hinge I profiles. Like I see people been... do the impression. I feel like the last three years specifically, I just hear okay. Americans doing silly Australian accents more than I ever have. And I'm wondering if it is is there a show? Is there something that has brought Australia back into the zeitgeist that has people yeah, doing the accent all the time? See, I hear people say "oi noi" a lot. But I always thought that was New Zealand, and I attribute that to Taika Waititi, basically, his popularity, and maybe some, a little Flight of the Concords, but mostly Taika. Also, uh, Wedewick Chef. Uh, we got Wait Peter, Wedewick Chef. Uh, Peter Jackson for the Kiwis. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Which are two different places. And it's two different uh, accents, and I know I should be able to differentiate them, especially because my honeymoon's going to be in New Zealand, and we're trying to do can't. the accent. Yeah, but sometimes but I, I can't. Can. But sometimes I can. But yeah. I'm I'm notorious for my impressions being awful. I can uh, hear I the no difference, but if I try to do one of the accents, it slides into the other and back and yeah. forth and back and forth. Yeah, yeah might. Um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> so three I don't know, Vanessa. I think it, the last three years thing, and maybe that's the algorithm spitting it spitting it out. Maybe that's you. your bubble. Is yeah, the, maybe you're your in the Aussie bubble because I I know that there was a big. Like maybe 20 years ago when the Lord of the Rings were, you know, in their heyday, that was a big deal. But I haven't noticed anything in particular recently. Um, this Our was, flag means death. <clears throat> maybe all yeah, my friends uh, are yeah, annoying. I think the Taika thing. But it's uh, kind yeah, of maybe, maybe your friends are obnoxious. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're. But uh, this is. <clears throat> it's actually kind of this. That's what happened in the, or, like, the mid 70s to 80s. Is that this film, along with another famous film that I I remember learning about Wake and Fright in film school, but we don't we didn't watch Wake and Fright. We watched Walkabout, um, and those are uh. kind of the premier two films where there was like a series of uh, basically calling it the Australian New Wave, where it's just like for some reason in the seventies we couldn't get enough of Australians in America. And yeah. we're like, come over and, and make 80s. films. And 80s. Don't sleep on Crocodile and Dundee, man. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. like, <clears throat> that's that's interesting notion just in general is that America will just disposably wear a different culture, you know? Uh, just for, for a time. A, for a bit. Just for yeah. a, d- five to ten years and then go, okay, now we're into Nordic stuff or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. we're uh, Nordic shit is alive and well right now especially adam and i were just games. talking about this i think ever since skyrim we haven't gotten over nordic we haven't shit. gotten over yeah. nordic shit uh but <clears throat> it's no that's how all uh, men's uh, thing is advertised which thing like things for men are always advertised as just like oh, the yeah. ancient nords or mm, like yeah the, it's rune styling or it's like soap mm. on some moss and some kind of like crystalline lake with like a buff guy yeah, I'm. I mean, so, I'm, I'm so getting my it. wallet out right now. Yeah, yeah I love stuff like that. <laughs> Keep talking, Ness. Uh, 
also a thing about this movie was it got lost. You hear about this? You hear no. Yes, this? I have. Yeah, I, I thought know, that it's was a kind of classic. crazy. It's a cult classic because in the in the 90s at some point uh it was gone. It was the master negative is gone. No one knew where it was and it just kind of died uh, wow. the sweet death of so many films. Um there's bad there was bad quality like VHS releases and stuff like that, but like nothing that was like you know, let's make a DVD. But then in 2004, an editor tracked down uh, a digitally remastered kind of recreation, and then it got re-released in, uh, at Cannes, which is yeah. just crazy that that happens still. It looks high know? quality. The copy it that I saw. Really good. You guys, you can watch this for free on YouTube, by the way, at any time. And yeah. uh, it looks good. So I'm surprised to learn that it was lost. That's really yeah, cool. It's a, yeah, because it's got a Blu-ray, so I think it's got a 4K version. So, wow. like, awesome. Uh, yeah. And I know, a, I'm pretty sure a person that we can give credit to for that kind of stuff and bringing it to the forefront is a man by the name of Martin Scorsese. Love oh, that guy. Oh, yeah? He always this does one that from shit. the trash? Or? Yeah, he's done it several times with a bunch of movies. In fact, there's a funny story about Scorsese. Tarantino yeah. does that, too. Yeah, he does. Um, Scorsese, <clears throat> apparently... He wasn't, you know, Martin Scorsese at this point in terms of like Taxi Driver hadn't come out, but he was there when this originally ran at uh, festival runs in '71, um, and apparently he was sitting behind uh, the director of this film, and he, he was just talking out loud, mm-hmm. uh, saying shit like, uh, "I'm trying to find." I'm trying to find exactly what he said, but it was more or less. Oh, long no. lines of, oh he's di- he's doing it. The director's a madman. Oh, I love this. This is so great. You're actually going to do it and stuff like that while he was watching this movie. And then Ted Katzoff was like, oh, that was Martin Scorsese. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty That's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He loved my film. And yeah, or at least he was impressed by the boldness of the offers. If nothing yeah, exactly. else. Yeah. It does. It has the kind of chaos that gangs in New York has at points. I, I can see it. I can see Scorsese loving this because he loves dirty, sweaty, male focused yeah. chaos. For he sure. loves dudes that are born to die. That's yeah, so tragic true. dudes born to be brutes and die young. Yeah. Yeah, this is the quote that made me laugh. He says, wow, wow, what a scene. Boy, I didn't expect that. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine Scorsese like in a theater just saying that to himself. I like to imagine it's treasure. the sex puke scene that he did that for. Uh, Yeah, I think it actually, <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was, or maybe it was John and Doc's homosexual encounter, actually. I uh, missed that. What do, what, do you, what do you mean? Well, they, you mean when they they're wrestle? naked dancing around? Oh, yeah, yeah they yeah, wrestle. Yeah. They wrestle kind of intimately. But it's not really, yeah. That, that's something that I noticed, too, is the internet uh, seems to call that like the homosexual scene. Uh, or and I was like, that's not really what I got from it. I got more of like, yeah, there's a homoerotic <laughs> element to it. But it's but, just two greasy, dirty dudes getting down, But like, that's man. most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like if being sweaty and touching each other is homoerotic, like how can you survive in Australia? Yeah. Speaking of which, the only water that's drunk in the whole movie, they I mean as opposed to beer, is on the bus. Did you notice the way that worked? 
it, they yes. all share one drinking glass. So like you're on a public bus and you're expected to drink water out of a glass that anyone on the bus drinks water out of the same glass. I'm sorry, but that is the most horrifying aspect of the film to me. I don't even like sharing <laughs> chairs on the bus. It. Yeah. Yeah. When he goes up and he just takes the glass that belongs to the bus, I was like, what? Australia? Really, Australia? Is this the Wild West right now? You guys are a bunch of babies. Just drink the bus water. Just drink the backwash bus water, you idiot. Um, I did really like the car, the kangaroo killing car. It looks a lot like the Ghostbusters mobile when it slid up all Akira style. It was um, kind of Mad Max. Yeah. I mean, they were driving so sure. fast. Dude. Why not? Oh, yeah. Well, they end up killing a. It's interesting. They kill a can. Interesting. They kill a kangaroo with a dog. They kill a kangaroo with a gun. And they kill a kangaroo with a car. They kill a kangaroo all the different ways you could, except without like a missile or something. <laughs> and a knife. That's Wake and Fright 2. Yeah. Uh, Just nuking kangaroos until there's nuking. nothing left. Charred corpses. Electric. <sighs> Kangaroo. Um, I mean, I wrote in my notes at about the 50 minute mark, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. What is this movie? Nothing's happening. But I've kind of disproven that through talking to you guys. I guess a lot of stuff happens in it. Yeah. It but just it, yeah, feels loose. It feels it's diffuse. It's tone poem uh, yeah. You know, because there's no like the structure of the film doesn't lead to anything. It's just a series of events. Uh well, there that is a punchline. There's a punchline to wrap it up, which is basically after he's done all this shit, killed kangaroos, slit their throats, shot himself in the head, woken up in the hospital and made his way back to Tabunda. The guy's like, how was your spring break? And he was like, great, the best. It was rad. <laughs> right. What did you take that to mean? Do you think he was being honest about any of that? Or is it he's... He's I think it's Kool-Aid. Yes, he's become one of the zombies. He's become yeah. one of the drones who says it's great, even who though it says sucks. every discontent is a luxury of the well-to-do, and right. he's not well-to-do. Yeah, he I think he's fully himself. in it. He's ingrated. He's he might be out of the yabba, but he's not out of the yabba. Yeah, you can't take yeah. the yabba out of the boy. Yeah, but you no. can yabba dabba do. You can yabba dabba oh, do, but you can't no. do dabba yabba. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. Um, scrolling through my notes here. I would also shoot myself in the head if this happened. I think I said that. Uh, I think I, I would too. About... <laughs> There's a shot of, uh, at one point they, the, after the kangaroo hunt, they're just so hammered and they're driving around and they park at this bar and they just destroy the front, like of a bar to the point that, like, the guy who lives there, who owns the bar, yeah. apparently, he's like, what the fuck are you fuckers doing? They're just Get swinging from here. the rafters, kicking signs over kicking and shit. Kicking signs, breaking windows, throwing shit. And while they're fighting, uh, there is a hilarious shot of back at in their car, they have that dog. And it's just a shot of the dog in the car while they're messing with the bar. Mm -hmm. And it's <laughs> the, the shot is so funny to me because... If you, if anyone rewatches it, look for that shot because that dog is like, these guys are fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck these guys. Like, yeah. it is horrified and it kind of is us throughout the movie. That bar, I believe, is also the bar, or it's a different one, but I thought it was really cool. They do karaoke with a live band. And I bet that's not specific to Australia, but I've never seen that before. Oh, like I've in the 70s. It. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, they have it around Los that. Angeles. It looks cool as fuck. 
Oh, they're still doing that. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then the other thing I wish still existed, I guess that does, but I know this doesn't, is he goes to a restaurant and he pays $1 for a steak, bread, french fries, and a fried egg, and infinite free coffee. $1. $1. of the price of groceries. I didn't know that coffee used to be so valueless that it was free. It just came with your meal. Amazing. Yeah, that Amazing. used to be coffee. Let's- it was basically water. Good mm-hmm. Australia, everyone. That's ultimately because if you actually boil it down to on paper, he's broke and wandering around and lost and doesn't know what the fuck is up a lot of the time. And yet he can survive that way. Like he can ramble on. Doc picks him up from the hospital. In a way, Australia is shown to be very hospitable, right? You just yeah. have to agree that it's great here and drink beer, and then they're very nice. You to won't you. be an outsider. Yeah, right. it's the whole tribalism. There's, there's a reason why there's a benefit. We band together. There's something beautiful about community, but our communities are weird and fucked up and traumatic. Jock Crawford saying, "Well, I'll be blown." Also a highlight <laughs> for me. Well, I'll be mm. blown. I'm gonna use that, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. That sounds yeah. like a Stephen Kingism if I've ever heard one. Oh sure. Um I mean I'm kind of winding up. It's a desolate movie. There's not yeah. much more to comment upon. Abe, do you have anything on the craft that you wanted to say beyond it's no, pretty good? I, I feel like I've covered I've covered a lot of the stuff that okay. I thought was interesting personally. I don't want to shortchange um, Theo, but like we've basically digested everything that happens in the movie, which is why I also compare it to something like the long goodbye or anything that's more of a tone poem than boom, 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 plot, plot, plot. It really is like it's breathing in its sequences. And so there's not a lot of sequences as a result. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this pick from Theo just because I I got a lot of delight out of it. Ultimately (laughs) I'd heard about it, but I didn't know it was so raw and like, I don't know, I was talking to Adam Ganser, and it's like, it really does feel like a type of movie that is lost to time. Like, the it's weirdly, I don't know if our sentiments would allow a movie like this now. It's very you know? 70s. There were multiple of these in the 70s, but right, there's, exactly. they don't exist anymore, I agree. I actually yeah. know a 70s Australian horror movie that I think would pair excellently with this. Well, do tell. What's it's called What's Long Weekend. It came out in 1978. Imagine, if you will, a slasher where the villain is nature. Okay. Green Love Inferno it. vibes. Love it. Uh, is, but not. I assume it's very, very different. I was kind of joking. Very but, different. Um, it's, it's basically a couple on vacation being punished by the Australian outback. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the other thing that resonates with me when I think of Australia, is that if you're in the outback alone, that's that. You're doomed. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Abe, what is Walkabout about in a nutshell? And I only ask because is it similar to this? Because this could be called Walkabout easily. Uh, It's kind of like um, a a teenage girl uh, brother, like a family goes, drives around the outback, and uh, they're just deserted in the desert basically uh and they find they find their way out uh basically by like at one point there's uh an aboriginal boy um another point there they stumble upon a plantation but it's just like keep walking and that's the only way that you can really 
like get through this. Uh, yeah. It definitely has uh, the oppressive aspect of the uh, of the of the outback. That's what I, I mean. mean it's is crazy to... that we make all these movies about that. You know. That's what I mean because the proposition also comes to mind. Like people in Australia making films about Australia that you're going to present to the rest of the world. You make it seem like Australia is hell. <laughs> it seems it's like a right. unifying a unifying aspect of classic Australia cinema is that Australia is brutal and desolate and horrible, and uh, I just find that interesting. That's so I, the opposite of how America wants to present itself. Right? It feels like almost right. like a badge of honor that all Australians have, where they're just like, "Yeah, it's that's tough right. to live, and I do it." Yeah, that's right. They all, I mean, that's, it's a whole country of people yeah. who are like, I like the heat. If you live here, might as well love it. Although mm. when it, growing up, that was not my, that's not how I had Australia in my head because I grew up watching Rescuers Down Under. It Ooh, looked magical. That's true. That makes it's Australia magical. seem cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Except for the George C. Scott character and his lizard. Sure. Not an Australian film, by the way. Dog. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they made that feel magical, so it can be done. Priscilla, Queen uh, of the Desert, you get to see some cities and they seem fine. Yeah. I mean, exactly. except the homophobia, but they seem like real cities. That's uh, right. Okay. Well, thank you again to Theo, because I really did enjoy this watch. It made me feel really gross in a way that had my jaw on the floor frequently. Same. Yeah. Even I though I encourage... never knew what was going to come next. I guess that's I encourage good. anyone who kind of likes that thing, has that stomach that is kind of like, oh, I want a visceral movie experience. I think it should be on everyone's list of movies, a movie that they watch before they die. If you like gross movies at all, it's a great gross movie. Yeah. If you're ready to be gross, go watch Wake and Fright for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. I Thanks had for so being much fun. Here. Yeah. Um, you talked about pairing movies and I know you pair movies on your other podcasts. Where can people listen to your various podcasts or follow your work generally? I just got the one. It's called Popcorn and Pixels and we pair video games and movies and we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we're coming back this week, actually, whenever this is uh, the weekend of the, the week of the 14th. Uh, mm. And then I produce a show called 10 Minute Power Hour that is out every Monday uh, on the game channel The Grumps. And sometimes you can see me on there. And uh, if you're listening to this, the Christmas episode is probably up in which I eat a very spicy gummy bear that has just been licked and fell on the floor. <laughs> Great. Ooh. It fell on the floor or you fell on the floor? Someone licked it and then it fell on the floor and then I ate it. And then you ate it. Okay. So it really soaked up. The, That's uh, the kind of kid I was in elementary school, by the way. I did that shit for attention all the time. Yeah, I was a gross kid who would eat stuff to get attention. As a, yeah, that makes sense. There's That's a revelation. <laughs> yeah, let's all make one gross revelation about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. All Not right. me. I'm perfect. <laughs> Abe's perfect. And on that note, we watch movies. <laughs>